Last week we began a journey based on the book The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. We began a journey of this month looking at that book and I've never read the book, but I, 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 like what I, I like what I see of this book. The, the Four Agreements is sort of established on this idea that when we're young, we get these messages, we get these ideas, we get these, these, um, these agreements, these learnings that we have no control over. We don't control what religion our parents are or aren't. Uh, we don't know what culture we'll be born into, uh, what language we'll learn. And as we grow up, we learn these certain behaviors, what is good, what is bad. And in the process of learning all that, we, we, get, we get agreements with ourselves and how we should behave. We learn the rules of the world, and, and we get certain messages and these messages can be very helpful and they can be very difficult. So if I were just more beautiful, I might be loved. If I were smarter, I might be loved. If I didn't cry, if I was a better athlete, we hear these things and we begin to internalize them and we make agreements and it becomes part of our belief system and Somewhere, someone tells us we're not enough just as we are, and we begin to believe it. We end up judging ourselves and others. And even if we never reflect upon it, it's down there, and we feel this blame and this guilt and this shame. And so these four agreements in this book try to rewire our thinking. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I believe this, this, this study out of the Cleveland Clinic that we all have 60,000 thoughts a day and 90% of them are sort of repeated. We have this little narrative loop in our head and a lot of those messages are negative. The question of this book is, how do we liberate ourselves from all of that? How do we create a new reality, a new dream for ourselves? And the first agreement is be impeccable with your word. Speak with integrity. Say what you mean. Avoid using your words to speak against yourself or others. It's, it's about being trustworthy and honest, but it's, it's more than that. It's about intentionality. And this word impeccable, I, I have not used that word a whole lot. I don't know about you, uh, but I have not used that word a whole lot. And at first, I kind of like, oh, impeccable. What does that, I mean, like, what does that mean? Are we like living in the country club or what? What does that mean? You know, it seems so proper and formal, and Ruiz says that it's, um, it's, it's without sin. And he says that a sin is anything that goes against yourself. And so when he says impeccable, he means you take responsibility for your actions, but you don't judge or blame. You don't get into that game. 
And as I thought about it, I, I thought, I, I want a different word. Impeccable doesn't quite fit for me. You know, so what word am I going to replace or what phrase? Because, I mean, there are no rules about this, right? I can replace it if I want. So, <laughs> so I decided right relationship. I want to be in right relationship with my words. So that doesn't put pressure on me to be perfect, but it does allow me to be in right relationship. When you're in right relationship with something, you say, here I am, this is who I am, this is my intention, this is my aspiration, this is my desire, and I'm going to mess it up but I'm going to stick with you because we're going to be in right relationship through thick or thin. It's the correct use of energy in the direction of truth and love. Right? That's, I love that. So Ruiz comes to this point where he says, being impeccable or having a right relationship with your words, is about three things. Building your own self up with the word. Right? Getting rid of that narrative cassette tape. No, just kidding. CD, uh, MP3, whatever it is that's going on in your head. Right? Eight track, whatever you want. Right? It's your brain. That is on a loop of negativity. And you get to replace it with supporting yourself. Right? I mean, the, the Anthony's would say, uh, operating out of that divine self, right? That you are, right? Building yourself up with the word. Number two, supporting others, sharing love, radiating positive thoughts and feelings. And then third, using your word in the direction of truth and energy and love. That's a little bit of that. That's what that's about. But you know me. (laughs) Well, some of you know me. If you know me, you know that I began to think about this. I began to think about this. Be impeccable with your word. And I went on a little flight of fancy. Me? I know, shocking. (laughs) And you know what came to my mind? is in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. The Word was embodied. Now, in that reading from the Gospel of John, the Word, which has no beginning and no end, becomes Jesus. But let's play with that. What was the actual word? What was the word? Was it love? I mean, you could make a strong argument that it was love, right? And the beginning was love, and the end will be love. Relationship? There's this image of God before all things. There's this image of God wanting to be in relationship. And so God creates space in God's own self for all of creation. 
Some religious folks might use the word covenant. Promise. In the beginning was a promise. At the end will be a promise. Hope. I mean, hope. I I can see a strong argument for hope. Faith. Love. What word was that? And then I began to think, What's, what's my word? If it's in the beginning and it, in the end and it becomes flesh for a time, what word am I created out of? And what is my word? And so I began to think, well, maybe I'll ask, what is your word? What's your word? Unity, oneness? Somebody after the nine o'clock, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but said, I really believe it may be chocolate. And I, and I said, blessings upon your way. Right? It's fine. It's your word. It's your word. Now, I met a woman once. Her, her word was gratitude. I was at work at the hospital. It was a Friday night. And I got a call from the nurse on the fourth floor saying, this woman is going to go to hospice tomorrow. She is frail, she is old, and she is alone, and I think she might want some company. And I walked in, she was very old and very frail. She weighed about a pound for every year she had been on the planet. She was probably 85, 86, 87 years old. And I walked in, and there was just this incredible peace and quiet. She was alone. And she was saying the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And I sat next to her and I held her hand and she kept saying it and I joined in. And she noticed my presence at some point. And we were getting toward the end of the Lord's Prayer. She said, oh, I seem to have forgotten it. The end. But oh well, thank you God for everything. Hmm. A woman's word was gratitude. Maybe that's your word, too. Jürgen Moltmann, a, a German theologian who was in the German army and was uh, arrested and made a prisoner of war early on, somebody slipped him a, a Bible. You know those little Bibles where they take everything out except the Psalms and the New Testament. And he just, while he was in prison, he just read it over and over and over and over and over and over. And especially on those Psalms, he got really into the Psalms. And while he was in prison, he decided if he survived all of this, he would become a theologian. And he did. And he spent his whole career talking about Hope. Hope was his word. And the beginning was hope, and the end will be hope. He loved hope. He says, those who hope in Christ never put up with reality as it is. They are agitators for change. Peace with God means conflict with all those forces that dehumanize other. So his hope wasn't some far-off future thing, but a present transformed 
and the image of wholeness of all creation. Such hope, he says, makes the church the source of continual new impulses towards the realization of righteousness, freedom, and humanity here in the light of the hope that is to come. Thomas Merton, the Catholic monk, his word, his word would have been peace. Maybe your word is peace. I don't know. Maybe your word is peace. Merton's quiet life of peace shows us that we need not give in to violence, that we can create a life of nonviolence for ourselves, that we can reclaim our humanity, that we can be with peace with ourselves through daily prayer, meditation, study, solitude. We can live at peace. We can make peace with the God of peace, with all of creation, with all of humanity. It is my intention, he said, to make my entire life. When you find your word, when you find your word that you're going to embody and make flesh, then you know your intention for your entire life. It is my intention to make my entire life a rejection of, a protest against the crimes and injustices of war and political tyranny, which threaten to destroy the whole human race in the world. By my monastic life and vows, I am saying no to the concentration camps, the aerial bombardments, the staged political trials, the judicial murders, the racial injustice, the economic tyrannies, and the whole socioeconomic apparatus, which seems geared for nothing but global destruction, despite its pretty words. I make monastic silence a protest against propagandists and agitators, and when I speak, it is to deny that my faith and my church can ever seriously be aligned with those forces of injustice and destruction. My life, then, must be a protest against those who invoke their faith in support of war, racial injustice, and tyranny. And perhaps, most of all, if I say no to those secular forces... I also say yes to that which is good in the world and in humanity. I say yes to all the men and women who are my brothers and sisters in the world. When you get to know your word, whatever it is, and you live out of it and you lean into it and you become it, then you'll know what to say no to. And you'll know what to say yes to. So what is your word, friends? What is your word? Blessings.